Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 7 of Employment Law Matters with me, Barrister Daniel Barnett. Now we've got a slightly different episode for you today. We're looking forward, looking forward into the future and seeing how employment law might cope or not cope with problems presented by emerging technology. The metaverse and virtual reality offer opportunities, but will also throw up new employment issues around diversity, misconduct, and more. In this episode, in which I'm joined by Taryn Twuckley of Lewis Silkin, you'll learn how people's choices of avatars can throw up diversity issues. So what happens if employees or managers try on different skin colours? You'll learn whether a pregnant woman at a job interview should hide the fact she's pregnant with her avatar or use an avatar which shows her pregnancy. How does the duty to make reasonable adjustments engage when a physically disabled employee uses an able-bodied avatar? And we'll also discuss whether inappropriate behaviour, perhaps harassing behaviour, with an AI character, an artificial intelligence character, not a real person, could inappropriate behaviour with an AI character give rise to charges of misconduct? Welcome to Employment Law Matters with Barrister Daniel Barnett. There are many visions of the metaverse. It's essentially a virtual world involving virtual reality where you can meet and interact with other people. For many employers, the first glimpse of the metaverse might come, and might come fairly soon, from using virtual reality systems in conferences and events. Microsoft has said it's going to be adding 3D virtual avatars to Teams this year. Eventually, employees might spend more time doing their jobs in a virtual world, and the metaverse offers many benefits. For example, the ability to work from home, but feel much more connected with your colleagues. But it's also going to throw up a range of new employment law issues. Taryn Twuckley is a partner in Lewis Silkin's market-leading employment team and is the co-head of the firm's technology sector group. He's got a particular focus on advising innovative, high-growth tech businesses as they scale up through to IPO. Before his time as a partner at Lewis Silkin, he was head of employment law and commercial litigation at Deliveroo. That must have kept him busy. He was responsible for all employee and rider matters, as well as wider commercial disputes across 14 markets. Personal accolades include being recognised in the lawyer's Hot 100 list. Uh, Taryn Twackley, can you explain what an avatar is? Good morning. Of course. An avatar is the way you are represented in an online world such as the metaverse. So this can be an avatar in the way that we are used to seeing in the gaming world, which could be an impossibly cool character, or it can be something that is much more photoreal to yourself. And it is the way others will interact with you in that virtual space. Now, I've seen my teenage son on Fortnite, and I, I know that these cool characters, as you describe them, are things like um, you know, someone playing the saxophone wearing dark glasses. But what you don't get is characters, avatars who are obviously pregnant or disabled. Uh, and there's also a certain limit to uh, biological diversity as well. Is that an issue? 
I think it can be. I think one of the open questions about the metaverse is exactly how the social aspects of the metaverse will interact with more professional aspects. I think it's very likely that we will see use of more photoreal avatars in professional contexts. And of course, the kinds of avatars you've described your son utilizing in more social ones. What remains to be seen is exactly how interoperability will work and the extent to which you can port them between your personal and professional worlds. So if I was able to set up a avatar for myself that might be photo real, but is, for example, a picture of me pursing my lips, looking much more attractive than I usually look because I've used Photoshop or taken the photo with the perfect angle or perfect lighting, and it's all been thoroughly Photoshop brushed and, and I look fabulous in it, could that create any issues if used in well, a work context? Course. I mean, of course, it's impossible to imagine an avatar looking better than you do in your normal life. But the way I want you to think about avatars is not so much based on a photo. I think think of a character in The Sims, if you've ever come across that computer game, or some other sort of virtual representation of yourself, or possibly a memoji that you might use on your Apple iPhone. So it's a virtual description of you, but you're right. There may well be individuals who choose to use avatars that represent what they perceive as being the best version of themselves, a version that's slightly thinner, slightly taller, slightly more attractive. And this may well give rise to issues in terms of how you act and how others interact with you in the metaverse. There's a fascinating phenomenon known as the Proteus effect, which has shown that individuals' behavior can be influenced by their choice of avatar. So for example, if you pick an avatar that is taller, you are more likely to be assertive in your virtual world than if you pick an avatar that is shorter. Avatars that were seen to be more attractive have seen individuals with those avatars be more personal, be more friendly, and be more open in their interactions in the metaverse. Well, that's actually quite interesting because uh, I, I am short, uh, and I'm sure my avatar would be relatively short, although I might have a few inches. Um, yet I don't think anyone would ever accuse me of a lack of assertiveness. So, so am I uh, anti-Proteus effect, or am I the exception that proves the rule? We'll have to see how much more confident, if there, if there can be such a thing, Daniel, you are in the virtual world with your slightly taller avatar. Um, you can be the but, test but, case. <laughs> just um, exaggerating the issue slightly. Uh, imagine that somebody put a heavily sexualized version of themselves uh, into the metaverse as their avatar. So, so for a man, it might be um, bare-chested, wearing sandals and some form of leather uh, tunic, um, looking like an old Roman sh- soldier, let's say. Could the fact of doing that give rise to any workplace legal issues? It will depend very much on the organization's policies. And I think one thing that is true of everything we will talk about here is there are some laws that aren't yet ready for the metaverse. And there are some aspects of employment law where they are, but it may well require companies to amend or adapt their policies. So much like employers today may well have some form of dress code or appearance requirements for individuals who work in a physical workspace, it's likely that employers will want to have some sort of rules or guidance in terms of how people manifest themselves in a virtual world. And Subject to that not being a breach of any internal policy or process, there isn't an issue as such, I think, with having an overly manly avatar, as you just described. But there may, of course, be issues if an individual has picked criteria which may be offensive to others or personality traits that may be seen as 
picking on protect, particular protected characteristics of a particular nationality or ethnic origin. I suppose that might that might occur again. Just thinking of examples, if a woman has chosen an avatar which uh, has again be sexualized, and perhaps uh, she's chosen an avatar with larger breasts, and a male colleague points that out in a conversation, uh, that could theoretically give rise to a hostile working environment. Absolutely, and, and regardless of whether it's something they have chosen to enhance about themselves, just like making comments about someone's physical appearance in the real world may well give rise to these complaints. Very much the same are true in a virtual world. I suppose the interesting factor of being in a virtual world is the fact that that avatar you've just described, Daniel, may well be a man or someone who does not have that normal characteristic in the real world, which brings out some really interesting questions about perceptions of people's protected characteristics. Can you give an example, Tarrant Walkley? Of course. So you may have a situation where someone who is not disabled picks an avatar where the individual is using a wheelchair. And it is possible to envisage a circumstance in which that individual was harassed or ill-treated for that characteristic in a virtual world. So another individual, another co-worker in the metaverse makes a comment that would be considered harassment or discriminatory were that comment to be made to someone in the real world. And it is potentially the case that the individual who was on the receiving end of that discriminatory conduct may well bring a claim against that individual and their employer for the actions of the co-worker who's made the comment on the basis of a perception of that person's disability and seeking to rely on existing employment laws to say that they have been ill-treated on that ground. I suppose another area which could cause some some difficulty, and I'm, I'm thinking back a couple of months because, um, as you know, Taryn, a couple of months ago, we had the Maya Forstatter case going on in the Employment Tribunal, uh, is if some employees decide to pick an avatar that expresses their real gender identity, and that causes adverse comment or even some form of harassment from colleagues. Absolutely. So there are two parts to this. Firstly, there will be a question about whether the individual's real characteristics are displayed in any way. By real characters, I mean their real world characteristics, or whether employers will allow individuals and social media companies and others will allow individuals to exist solely in that virtual world. So if you perceive yourself to have a particular characteristic or wish to be perceived in a certain way in the metaverse, it will be totally open for you to be able to portray yourself in that manner. Well, when will it be okay for employers to try on protected characteristics they don't have? So I, I'm, we just talked about gender identity, but let's let's take it more extreme. Would it be okay for a white person to choose an avatar of a person of color? Again, this will depend on a particular organization's rules, but it may be something that actually companies wish to encourage, for example, as part of diversity training or other initiatives that are run internally. You could equally see some employers choose to really take their recruitment approach to the next level. We've seen lots of gender and race uh, blind CV processes and removal of reference to 
where one went to university or where one went to school to try and encourage social diversity. And you could actually see that taking to the next step where potentially interviews were conducted in the metaverse with avatars that gave no indication of a person's race, sex, ethnic origin, disability status, whatever else it might be. And it might actually be an incredibly positive and welcome thing to encourage truly diverse hiring across the organization. So I can see many circumstances in which employers might actually encourage individuals to try on a different, uh, an avatar with different characteristics to the one they own, or specifically to use avatars that bear no resemblance to their actual characteristics to improve their internal processes. That's a really interesting point about blind recruitment, but but. It- just thinking loud, it must have limits because unless you're going to use some form of voice distortion software, uh, which causes other difficulties because it will make it hard for an employer to judge how well someone expresses themselves, unless you're going to use voice distortion software, an employer who's interviewing would probably be able to pick up on several protected characteristics anyway. Potentially. I think it, it depends on an individual's personal circumstances. And of course, there are lots of characteristics that won't be acceptable through voice alone. But of course, uh, from my voice, you can possibly tell that I am uh, male, but you possibly cannot tell my ethnic origin, possibly more clear from my name, but less so from my voice. What about women who are pregnant, just continuing to explore the issue of blind recruitment? Now, of course, an employer can't take into account when deciding whether or not to recruit or promote somebody the fact of pregnancy. But would a woman who would a heavily pregnant woman who disguises the fact she's heavily pregnant by using a non-pregnant avatar potentially be guilty of a conduct issue of some form of deception or dishonesty? I think it will be very difficult to make that sort of argument uh, unless as an employer you have very strict rules that necessitate that you must have an avatar that is exactly representative of you as an individual and there is sufficient diversity of pre-populated avatars or sufficient diversity in customization to be able to really give effect to that it will be very difficult to see how the individual could be accused uh, of misleading their employer i also personally think it's an incredibly unattractive argument for an employer to run to say that they would have made a different decision or treated the person differently had they known their true status and the deception has caused them some sort of loss or or other consequence uh, that is negative to them season four of employment law matters is nearly over season five launches in autumn 2022 if you'd like to sponsor season five and join hunter law Female Consulting, The Cover Clinic, Watson Ramsbottom and others who have sponsored previous seasons, get in touch. You'll get weekly exposure to thousands of HR professionals and employment law practitioners. For more details about sponsoring this podcast, email podcast at danielbarnett.co.uk. Moving back, if I could, to disabled employees, how do you think the duty to make reasonable adjustments is affected, if at all, if a physically disabled employee uses an able-bodied avatar? It's a really interesting question. And I think it's going to come back to the existing laws. What 
accommodations might they need in the virtual world to the extent that is where they are going to be working to enable them to be able to operate as effectively? Are the control mechanisms that allow you to move your avatar through the virtual space as accessible as they would be for fully able body? Might they need slightly different headsets or other different conditions or, or protective measures to make sure that they are able to interact just as effectively as a fully abled person. I don't think there is a clear basis for saying there needs to be specific other accommodations within the virtual world. One would hope the metaverse is designed in such a way not to have problems with access such as steps or other issues that need to be replaced with ramps. So assuming those sorts of issues weren't a a burden or a hurdle in that virtual world. It will simply be about ensuring that they have equal access to that virtual world. And going back a stage, I, I imagine, Taryn Truckley, uh, if a physically disabled employee presents as able-bodied in an interview and works in the metaverse and never walks into the or visits the employer's premises, the employer might have a very credible argument that it didn't know and couldn't reasonably be expected to know that the employee had a disability and therefore the duty to make reasonable adjustments wouldn't even arise in the first place. You're absolutely right. So it will come back to the question of are there grounds on which the employer knows or reasonably ought to have known? And if the individual has chosen to represent themselves in a way that doesn't manifest that disability and doesn't make it known through any other means through colleagues or to their manager, then absolutely it may well give an employer a defence that wouldn't normally be available in the real world. Now, many types of misbehaviour in the metaverse are going to be covered, as you say, by existing policies and employment law. For example, colleagues who are abusive to each other in a virtual environment would be subject to normal disciplinary rules and unfair dismissal laws. Unfair dismissal laws. But I want to ask you about misconduct issues, in particular uh, issues surrounding harassment and what you share in the metaverse and i'm going to do so after this do you need employment advice that's professional practical and personal whether you're an employer or an employee hunter law protects you by taking time to understand your individual requirements at competitive and flexible prices that's the hunter law way check them out at www.hunterlaw.uk that's www.hunterlaw.uk. Taryn Twuckley, the Equality Act 2010 has a wide definition of sexual harassment, which has never included the need for physical touch. Can you talk me through how an employer could go about disciplining or dismissing somebody in the metaverse for behavior that amounts to harassment, which doesn't involve physical touching? Of course. As you say, UK employment law has never required that physical touch. So as long as there is conduct that creates a degrading uh, environment on grounds of a protected characteristic, you can see how a claim could get off the ground. There might be some interesting and novel issues, though, that do arise as a result of the conduct taking place in a metaverse. If, for example, the allegation is about inappropriate touching, there may be some questions about whether a mouse has slipped, whether a button has been pressed in accident, some novel defences that you might not see and might not expect to hold any credibility in the real world may sometimes 
be more relevant in a virtual world. Equally, and of course, your technology is sufficiently superior to stop this from happening, but you can have buffering glitches and other issues like that, where again, the actions of your avatar may not necessarily entirely represent the buttons that you have pressed. But it is no defense for a person to say, it was not me, it was my avatar. Avatars are not independent thinkers. They are characters controlled by you in a virtual world, and you will be responsible for the actions of your avatar if you were to harass a fellow employee or colleague in the online world. Leaving aside slips of the mouse, as you put it, Terence Buckley, do you think new types of misconduct might emerge in the metaverse? Absolutely. I think one of the most interesting things that may arise is how you govern interactions with non-playable characters, so NPCs. These are characters that we'll be familiar with for those of us that have ever used online gaming or similar technologies. And they are computer-generated, computer-controlled characters with which you might interact in this virtual world. So while it is very clear that harassing another employee on grounds of a protected characteristic in a virtual world might trigger protections under the Equality Act, it's less clear how that would apply in the event of harassment of a non-playable character. I do think, though, this can be addressed in employers' handbooks, policies, and processes, where you can have very clear guidance that sets out the expectations on employees when in the virtual world. And much like you might have a policy that says destruction of physical property is an example of misconduct or potentially even gross misconduct, you can see employers having similar policies that define the expected behaviours in a virtual world. Who does your HR work if you're not yet big enough to employ someone in-house? Mike Klein of Feeman Consulting has years of HR experience, leaving you free to get on and run your business. You can contact Mike at www.femanconsulting, that's F-E-M-A-N, femanconsulting.co.uk. The metaverse will also raise a whole host of other issues, uh, many of which simply aren't addressed by existing employment laws. So one that, one that comes to mind is the risks to confidential information. How do you know who's in your town hall? Is, is that something you've given any thought to? It is. And I think it's, it's a risk that is exacerbated by the metaverse, where, as you say, even if you are going to have avatars that look like human beings, it's very difficult to know who is actually behind that face. Even during the course of the pandemic over the past few years, we have seen hackers displaying offensive materials and hacking into Zoom calls held by organizations and unfortunately even in schools and other contexts. These risks are only going to increase as we move into a virtual world and a metaverse where it will be less clear who is behind that avatar and who is on the other side of that headset when you are sharing information within your organization. I think there are also potentially risks in terms of who owns content on the metaverse. Assuming that you are going to use technology that has been developed by a third party, organizations will want to be very clear in terms of the terms and conditions that apply to that technology in terms of ownership of data that is displayed on there. So might there be risks that by presenting internal information in a town hall, using your example, Daniel, actually that information becomes the property 
of the owner of the metaverse because they have a term and condition that says anything uploaded onto our portal is our information that we may use. These are the kinds of conditions that companies will want to read very carefully. And I remember there were similar issues with voice recognition software on phones and other similar technologies where there were cases where individuals or, or individual organizations claimed ownership over the information that was being recorded into those systems. And it's why some organizations didn't allow those systems to be used for digital dictation or other similar means. So these are all things that need to be tested and understood in terms of just what risk there is to your information that you share within the metaverse. I remember that's a really good point, actually. I remember, but it's probably 10 years ago now, there was a huge fury about one of the main internet companies. It could have been Facebook. It could have been Dropbox. It could have been Evernote. I don't know who, but somewhere where you'd upload information uh, saying that when you upload it, we own it. And eventually they changed their terms and conditions because businesses started pulling out of using that particular platform. But it's a, it's a trap for the unwary, isn't it? It absolutely is. But it's one that shouldn't be entirely new. Even before the pandemic, we were all using more online tools to communicate with each other. And that's only increased. I think tools like Facebook uh, for work, Slack, all of these other communication tools that we're used to using, we will have got comfortable that the information that we share on there is private and is confidential to us. And if we have not got comfortable with that, we must get comfortable with that very quickly. But we must apply the same question to our mind when entering into the metaverse and ensuring that we protect our information as much as we can. I suppose, Taryn Twockley, another issue that arises is working time. If I'm spending time in the metaverse and I spend some of that time working and some of that time doing stuff that's ancillary to work, such as upskilling myself and some of my time playing games or forming new friendship, it's very difficult to know what is or isn't working time for the purpose of minimum wage, 48-hour week, et cetera, et cetera. Potentially. And I think there are also even more interesting things that could come up than that. Uh, we've seen the impact of influencers and other individuals like that in the real world. It remains to be seen whether companies will engage people to act in a similar capacity in a virtual world. You can imagine someone that is able to hold an equivalent following in the metaverse being an incredibly attractive marketing tool for organizations that could be used to market their products. Their avatar could wear a branded t-shirt or whatever else it might be. There are all sorts of interesting questions around the status of those sorts of individuals, whether they will be employees and so forth, uh, and over what period of working time that will come up. And as you say, there is this question of interoperability. Will there be a common thread? Will there be a common link between what our social metaverses and what are professional ones. And to the extent there is, there could be really interesting questions about what counts as working time and when you are on company duties. So when misconduct in the virtual world is a corporate company offence or where it is a personal private one. That was Taryn Twackley, a partner at Lewis Silkin, discussing employment law in the metaverse. In next week's episode, I'm speaking with Professor Roger Seifert about the theory and practice of HR management. Now, Roger has unusual views, and you'll probably find yourself shouting at your phone or whatever you listen on. Have a listen. It's quite compelling. It's out on Tuesday, the 31st of May. 
that's 2022 if you're listening in a year or more's time and if you enjoyed this episode please do subscribe and please leave a review for employment law matters on your podcast app all reviews help grow this podcast i know you don't really care about that but i do thank you for listening i'm barrister daniel barnett and i'll speak to you next week Any information on this podcast is for general guidance only. Always seek legal advice. Please see full terms at www.danielbarnett.co.uk forward slash podcast terms.